Dr. Geneva Speaks. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks, where you'll hear amazing leaders from across the nation and around the world. Your host, Dr. Geneva Williams, a cutting-edge, transformational leadership coach, hopes and believes this show will enlighten, entertain, and inspire you to make a difference in the world. So listen up as Dr. Geneva Speaks. Well, hi there, and how is everyone? This is Dr. Geneva. I'm so, so delighted to be with you uh, today on this special day. It is Valentine's Day, and, it, you know, I, I never know if it's Valentine or Valentine's Day, but I certainly know it's a wonderful day, and it's a day that all around the world, uh, country or all around, everywhere, there's love and romance in the air, and we have a special love thing going on here because we love leadership, and we want everyone to get their leadership on, and I just hope that you will be inspired and really turned on by the conversation this evening, as you know, we talk to leaders uh, from all over the country, and we talk to them about uh, leadership and what they see and how they do their thing and what kind of strategies they can uh, share with us and everything and anything to get your leadership on. And so we hope that you'll join us, continue to join us in our conversations. And I'm so delighted this evening because we're going to talk about the power of sisterhood, a really a global movement. And it's so perfect to talk about uh, this evening today on Valentine's Day as we talk about the power of sisterhood and the power of love. And that is the Sister Accord message, and it's being brought to you by Sonia Jackson-Miles. She is leading a global revolution of love. Isn't that wonderful for today? Her goal is to have one billion women and girls living the principles of the Sister Accord by using the nine jewels each and every day. And she's going to tell us about what those nine jewels are. But I want you to know that she's also an author, an author of The Sister Accord, 51 Ways to Love Your Sister, which, by the way, was nominated for a 2013 NAACP Image Award. And I think we're so right in time because I believe the Image Awards are going on, NAACP (laughs) Image Awards, I think, are going on this coming weekend. So we're right on time. And Sonia believes that it's easy to make the commitment to living the Sister Accord principle. She's confident that she will reach her goal as everyone who has seen the resolution of love is as well. She believes that the difficult part is the dedication that must occur every single day. And so we're going to talk to her about all that. But I want you to know that Sonia Jackson-Miles has over 20 years of experience managing nearly $20 billion in corporate America. She's worked for the top Fortune 500 companies, such as Ford Motor Company, Procter & Gamble, the Gillette Company, 
She's the founder and the president and CEO of the Accord Group, LLC, and the sister Accord, LLC. And so she has wonderful marketing talents and skills, and she's used them to successfully build a number of global brands since leaving her position as director of global packaging purchases for P&G. And so she recently made history in Cincinnati by having her sister accord leadership development program. Listen, my friends out there, her leadership development program curriculum was integrated across the entire Cincinnati public school system. So you know we have the right person up in here to talk about leadership, love, accord, uh, all those wonderful things for girls and women. So Sonia Jackson-Miles, welcome and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. I'm honored to be here with you. Well, it, it's just so wonderful. And, and are you enjoying your Valentine's Day? I sure am. You know, I, I had the opportunity to go out to one of my schools and talk to the young women uh, this afternoon, and it was so beautiful, first of all, to hear them talk about how much they love each other as a result of going through my program. And they're saying, you know, we're a family now. We, we look at each other differently. And guess what? It's spreading to the other girls. Now the other girls are happy and smiling and speaking to each other. And I'm just one person. You know, when you think about my dream coming to, tr- coming to life and coming true, look at what just that one dream is now doing and impacting girls, uh, you know, at Cincinnati Public Schools. So I've had just a marvelous day. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, we want to hear all about the dream, your dream. And I want to go back to the group. <laughs> So let's go back yeah. to who was Sonia growing up, and uh, tell us about your upbringing, your childhood. Were you were you born and raised in a Cincinnati? No, so I'm from Michigan. I'm originally oh, from Saginaw, really? Michigan. Yes, okay. yes. And my parents, my parents um, still live in Michigan. They're in Southfield, Michigan. And I lived in Michigan um, after going to Florida A&M University. I lived uh, in uh, Southfield first, and then I went to Farmington Hills uh, and worked at Ford Motor Company for 13 years. So Michigan is very, very special to me, and it's home. I am the youngest of four. I'm the youngest of four children. And I often joke and say I grew up with three mothers, and two fathers, <laughs> mm-hmm. because my siblings, you know, they were always meddling in my business, as I called it. And now that I look back, I say, you know, I didn't have any business. You know, I was just a teenager. Mm-hmm. What, did I, what did I know? <laughs> I didn't have any business. And what I am so very thankful for is that they were, they cared enough to say, you know what? No, Mom, she shouldn't go to that party. She shouldn't go to that dance. I was upset back then, but today I can look back and say, you know what, I am really, really very thankful that I had people in my life who really uh, kept me on the straight and narrow. What I think Mm -hmm. it also did for me was because I had these older siblings, they were 11, 12, and 13 years older than I was, I think I was also 
very keen to want to make a difference and to make sure that my voice was heard. So uh-huh. I always looked for the, the, the path that was least traveled, and that's the one I took because I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to, you know, really uh, move forward and uh, be very creative in being able to use my voice. And I think being the youngest in, in, in my family really helped to shape that. The other piece for me was I saw my parents uh, serving and loving and, and taking care of ah. people. And so service was also a big part of what I grew up with. And so it was very natural for me as I uh, went to Florida A&M University and then came out and worked in corporate America to really view um, my responsibility as one of service. Okay. Yes, we were talking uh, last week or so with um, Ebony Johnson out of uh, Washington, D.C., and we were talking Mm -hmm. about this whole, she's done a lot of work in philanthropy and service and, and trends and what makes people give, what makes people serve. And one of the things that has been consistent that she found in her research today that's been consistent for for many years is that um, if you see a service, mm, uh, people giving yeah. service as a youngster and grow up with yeah. it, you'll be more inclined to do mm-hmm. it when when you become yes. an adult. So, so I'm wondering, so when was your aha moment that, you know, set you on this path? Was there mm-hmm. there's something, you know, I hear that you, you know, saw service, mm-hmm. you saw a lot of giving back, mm-hmm. you were, you found your voice as a young person. Was there an aha mm-hmm. moment when you said, hey, this is going to be me for the rest of my life. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting is, and I, I had the opportunity to speak at Florida A&M's commencement, um, and I was talking about the fact that FAMU really changed my life. They helped me, uh-huh. my professors and the dean, really helped me to get in tune with who I was. You know, so uh-huh. I thought I knew who I was before I went to Mm -hmm. FAMU, but it wasn't until I actually uh, had the experiences that I had there that I really began to understand and find my voice. And what happened for me was growing up in Saginaw uh, as the youngest of four, you know, as I said, and my siblings being much older, I was a bit sheltered. Uh, You know, everyone had a job. It was great. It was a wonderful upbringing. You know, the General Motors town, everything was great, right? I go to FAMU, and I began to really understand that everyone's life was not like mine. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, uh-huh. really? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, then, what is my role, you know, in helping other people? And so I began to really find my voice at FAMU because... I began to be awakened, I, I, you know, so you know how the young people say, stay woke, <laughs> you know. I had right. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's and nothing family like helped me to do that. That's right. There's nothing like a black school, a black college, a black historically college, FAMU, 
Um, I went to Morgan, and there's nothing like oh, that. Experience. Yeah. You can really, nothing. Yeah, you really can find nothing. yourself in, in, yep, in a black school. So, so it was at mm-hmm. FAMU, and I know you're still so mm-hmm. active with FAMU. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so, so I heard you say you were a commencement speaker, and mm-hmm. so you're yeah. still very involved with, with your college. Absolutely. I sit, I chair the board of advisors for the School of Business and Industry. I uh, have worked very diligently to always raise money for them. When I uh, was in corporate America at Ford, we gave, you know, over a million dollars to FAMU and giving internships. And so it was very important for me to give back because FAMU gave so much to me. And like I said, that awakening happened for me where I recognized that, gosh, you know, Everyone, you know, didn't come from a two-parent home. Everyone didn't have, you know, some people were abused. Some people had all kinds of issues that they were dealing with. And um, one of my very dear friends, um, you know, ran out of money when we were there. Now, from Uh my perspective, that was like unheard of, right, because my parents had planned and they had everything all together and I didn't have to work. And and, and I said, and she says, well, I've, I've got to go home. And I said, not under my watch, you were not going home. So I split what my parents sent to me. I uh, yeah. split it and took care of her um, because I knew mm-hmm. if she went back home, what was going to happen. And so she wrote me one of the most beautiful letters and said, you know, I feel like I owe you my life because my the, the life that I'm living now is, is di- a direct result of FAMU and you making me stay there and getting my degree. And now she's an executive director in corporate America. So oh, it was it, it was then that I became I, I became aware and sensitive to the needs of mm-hmm. others, and then mm-hmm. I was able to play that role and be the voice speaking truth to power when I was in in the company, um, and, you know, in various companies, being able to be the the voice for the voiceless. That's how I began to really understand what my role was and what I felt like I was called and created to do. So if you're just joining us, we're having a great conversation with Sonia Jackson-Miles, and we're talking about the Sister Accord global movement, but what we really were just having some great conversation about FAMU and, and historically black colleges and what can happen on those campuses and how for mm-hmm. Sonia it was an awakening for her mm-hmm. and she really put her on her path. So, Sonia, I want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the Sister Accord, both the organization and your book, your book, 51 yes. Love Your Sister, which if if you didn't hear me say it before to, to my listeners, I want to let, make sure you know that it was nominated for a 2013 NAACP Image Award. So, Sonia, tell us about the Sister Accord, the organization, and your book? So it's a funny story, um, but I was asked to speak at an inaugural event for President Obama's first inauguration on Capitol Hill, and I wanted to do something really, really special and in line with the whole theme of change, and um, I prayed about it, and one night saw the Sister Accord resolution in my dream. I keep my journal next to my bed, and so I said, what is, what is this? You know, I, I just, it, it blew me away, Dr. Geneva. I was like, 
Now, when you say you saw and, in your dream, you you saw the yeah. word or yeah. okay, so the word. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I saw the words, and this is what I saw. Oh. I resolved to establish an agreement with all of my sisters, whether they are black, white, red, yellow, or brown, whether they are strong or weak, rich or poor, educated at Harvard or educated on 17th Street, working in the C-suite or cleaning it, whether they are independent or leaning independent, confident or lacking self-esteem, fighting back or being abused and misused. I will uphold this commitment to my sisters. I resolve to be honest and truthful be supportive of your dreams and aspirations, be forgiving, be loving and kind, be in prayer for you, be thoughtful with my words, ensuring that our every encounter and conversation is uplifting. Be courageous and bold to set good examples for your daughters and sons. Remain loyal and faithful to our friendship. Remain your shelter in the time of storms, your confidant. Remain your cheerleader, being your source of inspiration. Remain diligent in taking care of my health and reminding you to focus on yours. Refrain from judging. Refrain from negative thoughts and words about you. Refrain from self-doubt and the words, I can't, because remember now we know, yes, we can. Refrain from thoughts that put limitations on you and me. Because you are my sister, the time is now. Our children are depending on us. We can't wait. Time is of the essence. We have so much work to do. We can change the world. You are my sister, my friend, my confidant, and my strength, and this is our commitment to each other. So I saw that in the dream. Wrote it wow. Down, what am I going to do with this? And I said, this is the contract that we must have with each other as sisters. If we find our parading outside the confines of what I just read, we must check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. And so I called the young lady who um, invited me, and I said, well, instead of speaking, I'd like to issue a charge at the end of your event. She asked me to read it. I read it to her, and she said nothing for about, mm, it felt like two, three minutes, but it was probably about 30 seconds. She didn't say anything. And as I used to always tell my team when I was in, in corporate America, in the absence of information, People will make stuff up, and when they make it up, it's typically negative. So you have to communicate and communicate and communicate. So in the absence Uh of her saying something, I went to the negative. I started the self-talk that said, oh, Tommy, you should have never, that was stupid. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have said this. You shouldn't have asked her to change her program. I I started with all the self-talk, right? Uh-huh. That becomes self-sabotaging. And the yeah. words that came out of her mouth next really is what, you know, uh, began to give me some sense of how powerful this was. And she said, Sonia, that was so incredibly beautiful. You're going to be before kings and queens with this. And I was like, mm-hmm. huh? I just want to do a great <laughs> job for you on Capitol right. Hill. What are you talking about? Uh-huh. And because I was I was so happy in my job and and in, 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 you know everything that I that came with uh, that job right the money and all the please I was comfortable, but God said uh uh-uh, uh you have another assignment, and just because you are doing well and successful in your corporate role doesn't mean that that's what I created you to do. So I knew Uh that I had to go on a journey of really understanding what my purpose uh, and my assignment was, and uh, that was the beginning of me, uh, you know, trying to figure out what this thing really was and 
what my charge was. And then the book came next, 51 Ways to Love Your Sister, uh, came after I uh, I sat on this for many years out of fear and then finally uh, published the book. And that's, that, like you said, it was nominated for the NAACP Image Award. So that really gave me the confidence to believe that I was onto something that the world was really looking for. What a wonderful, wonderful journey. Oh, my goodness, Sonia. I have goose, goosebumps. I mean, just, oh, just fantastic. So tell me now, is so, so, you know, your recent history, you know, you've been making history here, there, everywhere. Your recent history in Cincinnati, you're having mm-hmm. the leadership program, your leadership development program, curriculum yes. in the Cincinnati public school system. Tell yes. us about that. Tell us about that. Oh, my gosh. This is such a dream for me, right? So, um, you know, I was in in corporate America for over 20 years, and what really pained me, and and I guess I I didn't realize that my soul and my spirit was searching for a solution, but I have a a mentee from every continent with the exception of Antarctica. Mm-hmm. My male mentees would come to me and they would be talking to me about, hey, Sonia, I've got this brilliant idea. I've got this innovative idea. I need to flesh it out with you. Have you, you know, help me practice on a, on a presentation or, you know, what have you. My female mentees were coming to me and they were coming to me to talk about something that was very different, Dr. Geneva, than what my male mentees were talking about they were talking about the issues they were having with other women. So get mm, this. Okay. How, on, great, how on, on God's great earth are women going to excel to the roles that we desire if we're more concerned about whether you can trust the female that's in your group or, or, or the person who you're reporting to rather than being able to focus on the business? And so mm-hmm, my, mm-hmm. my spirit and soul was concerned about that. And what I didn't realize is that God was giving me the answer. He was giving me the gift so that I could share it and really change the dynamic of how girls and women interact with each other, how they see themselves and then how they mm-hmm. see each other and how they treat each other. And so what is so beautiful about the fact that the leadership at Cincinnati Public Schools really understood my, as I was presenting and sharing this idea with them, they understand that I had to get into school, I have to get into school systems and get this message to girls at a young age so that by the time they get to their roles in corporate America or wherever, you know, field of study they, they decide to go into, they will have a mindset that says, you know what, I can collaborate. I can support my sisters. Uh, I don't have to try to yeah. take them out in order to win. So I mm-hmm. knew that I, I knew that I had the solution, and I knew that I needed to get to girls earlier. And I was just so fortunate because you know how it takes years and years to be able to do something like this. And, you know, God blessed the, the mission and, and the work that I put together, and it was accepted. Uh, you know, and now we're across the district in Cincinnati. And it's just such a blessing. And now a high school, university, um, academy uh, uh, there in Southfield has adopted it. So I'm so excited. We started with the girls there um, in Michigan as well. And we're talking to other school districts as well. But I knew 
that I needed an and approach. This is what I call it, an and yes. approach. I needed to work with girls because the negative behavior among girls starts at the age of four. Believe it or not, they start mm-hmm. bullying at the age of four. And I needed mm-hmm. to work on adult women because so many of us never got this message when we were growing up. We're taught to uh-huh. compete. We're taught to take each other out. So I knew that I needed an and model. So now I get to work with women in corporations and universities, and I get to bring the message to younger girls so that we can eradicate mean girl behavior because mean girls grow up to be mean women if there is no intervention. Yes. The sister report yes. is the intervention. Mm-hmm. So, um, so as you – and this is, you know, a leadership development program. What's yes. been the reaction of – the girls in in the Cincinnati school district or, you know, what's been the reaction generally to this kind of approach to leadership? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, you know, when, when we first introduced it, I think they were thinking, what is she talking about? You know, love each uh-huh. other? Whoa, what's up with uh-huh. that? You know, we don't like each other. And uh-huh. I had them to a place of really understanding where hate comes from. Hurt people hurt people. And so if we make sure that we do the work on ourselves and we get over pains and and heartaches and things that people have done to us and been mistreated and, you know, once we really put that in its proper place, we can then purge it appropriately and soar. But when you carry all that baggage and you get all bundled up, uh, it's very difficult for you to have a mindset that says, you know what, I love me and I love you. I can extend yeah. respect to you because I respect mm-hmm. myself. And so I think initially they were like, hmm, this is interesting. And, wow, you could see the transformation happen oh, right in the, the room. Yeah. People just, oh. I mean, they, you know, the adults in the room were saying, I got goosebumps, just like you just said. Uh-huh. I had goosebumps uh-huh. seeing how the girls began to really open their minds to what you were saying, and now they're living it. And that's what's so cool about mm-hmm. it, because the girls that I met with today said, you know, we don't have nearly the drama and all the hate and all the negative things that we used to see. We don't see that. Girls are loving on each other and and, and the, the facilitator who heads the group, because I do a train-the-trainer um, model, she said they're texting, they're on a group text, and she says, and they're texting each other, good night, I love you. And she said, I can't believe this. You know, they're actually loving on each other. And so oh. it really does work. It really does work. Yes. So now they are they are feeling good about themselves. The girls today talked about the courage that they have. Um, being able to speak up for themselves, um, all sorts of everything that I envisioned for the program is coming to life. And, and hearing it from their mouths today on Valentine's Day was really yes. very special to me. It was oh, very special. Yes, such love, such love. So, Sonia Jackson Miles, what's next for you? Tell, tell us about, you know, what's going to be your legacy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, my umbrella theme for my life, as I like to say it, it's the, it's, the, it's the overarching theme for everything that I do is uniting the world on one accord. And so the mm-hmm. sister accord is just one yes. uh, aspect. Uh, I have the brother accord. I have the marriage accord. 
But what's coming oh. next that I'm so excited about is um, 51 Ways to Love Your Children. So I oh, um, my goodness. Disney. Yes. Disney, is, Disney is one of my partners, and the Disney Dreamers mm-hmm. Academy with Steve Harvey and Essence Magazine is one of the programs yes. that the Sister Court has been integrated into. And what I created for that program was Dream Walking. It's a program where I help people bring their dreams to life. And oh. one of the things that dream walkers often, you know, we talk about is those experiences and things that happen in our childhood that get in the way once we are trying to bring these dreams yes. to life. And, That's right. um, you know, and sometimes parents don't even realize that they're doing these things. It's not that they're trying to be mean or abusive, but their words matter. And so yes. it it prompted me to say, you know what, that's going to be my next book, 51 Ways to Love Your Children, because we have to be very mindful of the things that we are saying and doing as we're rearing our children yes. so that we yes. can make sure that they go to their next level of excellence with a sense of urgency because we have no time to waste, none. And I on, love um, it. I right. love it, Sonia. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Sonia, Sonia, I love it. Sonia Jackson Miles, thank you so much for being with us today, Valentine's Day, spreading the love, the Sister Accord, www.thesisteraccord.com. You can get in touch with Sonia that way. You are spreading the love and the leadership, love leadership. You're spreading it all. We love you for all you're doing. And thank, thank you, you for uh, you. being with us. And I'm hoping you can come back and we want to talk about uh, the 51 ways to do all sorts of wonderful things. Thank you for being yeah. with us uh, thank today. You. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you. thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks. Dr. Geneva Williams, an expert facilitator and leadership coach lecturer, and keynote speaker. For more information on Dr. Geneva, visit her online at www.drgenevaspeaks.com. That's drgenevaspeaks.com.